0: Thank you. Appreciate it, Jeremiah. What's happening in Cleveland? Y'all doing well tonight? All right, let's go. I'm excited. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. I'm pumped up. I am like really excited about this message because I feel like there's a lot of angry, frustrated Christians. No, none of them are here, but does anybody ever, have you ever known somebody that's like a mean Christian? And, you're, and your question to them is like, do you even enjoy being a Christian, right? Like, is this make you happy? Is this fun for you? Or is this agonizing? Is this painful? It's like pulling a tooth just being saved. How many know that we should enjoy the Lord? Does anybody enjoy the Lord? You should enjoy Him. You should love Him. You should be happy about the things of God. And so tonight, I'm really excited. I get to talk to you for a few minutes about this. Enjoying God. It's the title of my message. Can we say that together? Enjoying God. God, enjoying God, that's my goal. I hope that's your goal. Because here's the beautiful thing, is that when you as a Christian understand that your job is not to jump through hoops, it's not just to keep rules and regulations and do things right and don't mess up, but your job as a believer is to enjoy him, is to delight in him, is to spend time with Jesus and allow that to be your heart's Desire. I love that song that we just sang, I don't want anyone else. I don't need anything else because you are my one thing. You know, that comes out of Psalms chapter 24, 27, verse 4. If you can put it on the screen for me, uh, I want to read this together. It says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to pause there for a second because this is David, and as he's writing in, his, in, his, in, the, in the Psalms, he's saying this. There's only one thing that I really desire, and that one thing is not to be a great king. It's not to be a great Christian. It's not to be all of these other things that David was. The one thing that he wanted to do was to simply enjoy God. He wanted to enjoy the Lord. He wanted to behold the beauty of the Lord. And I want to ask this question for anybody in this room. Have you ever had a moment where the Lord revealed himself to you? Can you think back to that moment Wave at me if you've had one of those moments. Okay, let's just think back to that moment, right? Remember how fun that was. (laughs) Remember how fulfilling that was, right? In that moment where you're sitting down or standing up or running or walking, wherever you were at and whatever you were doing at the time, the Lord began to reveal himself to you. And it was as if, because you were, living out your purpose on this earth. There's no greater fulfillment than knowing God. And it is our ultimate joy in life. And so I want to share this simple idea with you. If you have your phone, you can take a picture of the screen and you can just write it down. But I want you to remember this because before you exist as a Christian to to follow rules, before you exist to obey, before you exist to fear the Lord, before you exist to give, before you exist to do anything else, you exist to enjoy God. That, that is the number one thing as a Christian that we were created to do. We were created to enjoy God. Now we're going to talk about enjoyment theology for a little bit. We're going to get into it. But I want us to understand this simple principle. And I know it's, it's simple and I don't want you to just, just to tune me out here for a moment. Because a lot of times in my Christian life, and I know in your walk as well, you prioritize not sinning. You prioritize not messing up or following rules. And it's easy to get in this habit of like beating yourself up. I had a phone call today where where somebody was telling me they were beating themselves up because they were having thoughts. And my advice to this guy was, listen, you are not your thoughts. You You don't exist to beat yourself up over sin. You exist to enjoy the presence of the Lord. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. And so life has a lot of frustrations that it brings to us. But ultimately, we have to remember this truth, that we exist to enjoy God. Come on, I want to read that sentence together. I want us all to say it out loud like we believe it. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. I exist to enjoy God. Remember that. I exist to enjoy God. Come on, let's pray as we begin tonight. Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence we thank you, Holy Spirit, for just filling this room with, with your person. And we ask right now that according to your word in Ephesians 1.17, you would bring in the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you, that the scales of our eyes would be lifted, God, that we wouldn't leave here hearing a good uh, a message or some good music, but we would leave here changed because we've enjoyed you tonight. So come and spend these moments with us and let us let us simply enjoy your presence, God. Just as David prayed, there's just one thing, God. We echo that prayer tonight. There's just one thing that we want. It's you. It's your presence, it's your your goodness, your glory. We love you, Jesus. Bless our time together. In your name I pray. Everyone said. Amen. 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 Before we get into some of the some of the nitty gritty things of tonight. Like I said, we're going to look at a little bit of enjoyment theology, okay? We're going to look at enjoyment theology. First thing we have to understand is the triune God. Has anybody heard this term before, triune God? Basically what that means is it's, it's God, but not just one, one person. It's in three, three persons, right? We understand this. Many of us, you know, you guys are here on a Wednesday night. So I'm talking to a bunch of Bible scholars, okay? You guys know the word. But you know that in Genesis, the Lord looks at himself... And says, let us make man in our image, right? And so if that was you or if that was me, we would get sent to the, to the crazy house, to the halfway house, for talking to ourselves. Because when we can't look at ourselves and say, hey, let's make man in our image. But how many know God is not crazy? He was having a conversation, not just by himself, but in three persons, that God exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, right? So this, so this is the basic Trinity doctrine of the triune God. And, and what we have to understand is this, is that God did not create us because he was bored, you know, listen, I, I might mess with some people's Sunday school, okay? Because I remember in Sunday school, I heard some of these explanations. You know, you ask your teacher, why did God create us? Oh, it's because God had this gaping hole inside of him and he wanted to love. And so, and so he created us so he can love us. That is not why God created you, okay? Throw that theology out the window. It's bad theology. You were not created because God had a need in his, in his heart, or there was a void in God, so he made us to fill the void. That is not why we exist. you ready? I want to read this out from Jonathan Edwards because he put it beautifully. He says this, the only reason God would have had for creating us was not to get the cosmic love and joy of relationship, watch this, because he already had that, but to share it. What does that mean? That means this, that the triune God existed already in perfect love, in perfect relationship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were not sitting in eternity past agonizing because they had no love and so they created us. What happened was God, the triune God, existed in perfect relationship in perfect love, that they loved one another and related to one another so perfectly that they created you and me not to fill a void but to share what they already enjoy. They created us so that they could share this enjoyment and this fulfillment of relationship. And we see it every day, we do it all the time. Has anybody in here ever read a really good book? Wave at me if you read a really good book. Maybe watched a really good movie, right? What do you do as soon as you finish watching that movie or you finish reading that book? You hit up your friend and you say, you have to go see that new Mario movie. It was amazing. Anybody see that Mario movie? My wife bought it for like $100 on Amazon. I'm like, Emily, what are you doing? But, but the first thing you do, right, you get done with a really good book. You say, you have to read this book. It's life-changing, right? Why? It's not because, it's not because there's a void in your heart. You're not trying to fill something. You're trying to fully enjoy something. And what we realize is that we can enjoy something, but when we share that thing, that joy is emphasized in our life. It grows. We get more joy Because we share what brought us joy. And this is what we see the triune God experience, right? He created Adam and Eve not because there was a void in his heart, but because there was so much love there. There was so much fulfillment there. There was so much relationship there that God's desire was to share that enjoyment of life and relationship with us. And so he created us to share it. And so this is why we exist. We even see in the book of Genesis where where God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Remember that? Where where God looks at Adam and Eve. And when when we look at the purpose of our existence, we have to go back to creation. We have to go back to where everything was perfect. And what we see there is, what we don't see there is Adam and Eve like serving God like the way we think serving God looks like. Like they weren't toiling and striving and doing all this stuff trying to please an angry God. No, what Adam and Eve were doing in the garden is they were walking with him. They were enjoying God's company. And so when we think about what what am I here for? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? Right, all these big, deep questions we're going to tackle tonight. I'm going to answer all those questions. You exist to enjoy God. That's why you're breathing right now. You're not, you don't exist to have some job. You don't exist to do something here on earth. You exist to enjoy the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love what John chapter 17 verse 3 says, because what happened was, before we read it, what happened was, is that Adam and Eve obviously sinned, and that relationship with the Lord was severed, right? And so what we see is Jesus comes back, he dies on the cross, right? He does all of that stuff to restore this relationship, and and in John chapter 17 verse 23, Jesus says this, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This is, this is the key. This is what we have to understand. That our purpose, what, what we're here to do, is to be loved by the Father the way the Father and Jesus love each other. This is what Jesus was sharing with us in the scripture verse. Jesus was saying this, God, you and I have this beautiful relationship we have this perfect relationship. We have this, this complete fulfillment and enjoyment within our relationship. And my prayer is this, that we could share it with them. Is that these individuals would be invited into this relationship. So you and I now have received an invitation through the blood of Jesus to step into this relationship that God has had from eternity past with himself. We get to enjoy this with him, In John chapter 1 verse 12, I love this scripture verse, one of my favorites, go, it says this, but as many, as many as receive him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Many people think that all people are God's children. All people are not God's children. Not all people belong to God. Right? We have to understand this, that Jesus, his, his sacrifice, his blood gave all people the right and the ability to become God's children. I want you to understand something, right? Because, because it's, it's, very, it's very important that we know the difference here. I'm going to use an analogy here, but if, if, you, like if you take the president, for example, you know how hard it is to have an audience with the president? You can't just call up the White House and say, hey, I'm stopping by at 2 o'clock. Just, you know, let me in, and I'm going to, I want to talk to the president. You can't do that, right? You have, to be, you have to be somebody. You have to have a reason, right? You have to be important. You have to be significant, or you have to be his kids. Why? Because his children don't have the same restrictions of access that his non-children do, right? And this idea here is this, not everybody has access to you, but guess what? Your kids come to you day or night, rain or shine, it doesn't matter if you've had your coffee yet. They say, mom, dad, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's like non-stop. I was leaving the house and I felt so bad tonight because I was leaving the house and chaos was ensuing in the living room and emily was like "dominic don't you dare leave" and i'm like "listen babe i got to go i'm sorry" and i just quietly closed the door and snuck in the car right but the idea is this that your kids whether you like it or not they have access to you 24/7 and this is the encouraging promise to you and to me is that now we are not some strangers afar of off from god we're his children And with boldness, we can step into this relationship and enjoy what God has been enjoying amongst himself for eternity past. This is, let me put it this way too. This isn't a second class like, has anybody been an afterthought before? You know what an afterthought is? Anybody know what an afterthought is? This is what an afterthought is. This is Jeremiah made me an afterthought not too long ago, right? So this is what happened. Jeremiah was having a really cool meeting with all of these cool young people on the front row, and they were talking about stuff, and, and, and I was like, man, one day I want to be invited to this meeting. And you know what he said? He said, oh, you can come over if you want to. No, man, I don't want to be an afterthought. I don't want you to be like, oh yeah, hey, we're all going to the movies and, and you can come too, right? No, no one wants to have a second class relationship with somebody, right? And we don't have that with God. It's not like God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all having this amazing relationship and he's like, oh yeah, you can, Antonio, you can be a part of this too, I guess, if you want to. Like we don't have some second class relationship with God. We get the fullness to enjoy of this incredible relationship With the triune God. This is amazing stuff. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to answer this question How do you enjoy God? How do we enjoy God? Because if we're honest in here, living this Christian life can oftentimes be confusing, be difficult, be frustrating. Has anybody been frustrated before? I mean, I was frustrated just not too long ago, right? It can be all of these negative emotions, and and more often than not, it's anything but enjoying. And so I want to tackle this question of how do we enjoy, and I'm not just talking about having temporary enjoyment, having fleeting enjoyment where it comes and goes. I'm talking about 24-7 in the rain, the shine, the good, the bad, even in life's most agonizing moments, you can enjoy God. And we're going to talk about it. Here's the equation. I'm going to give you a little math equation. You ready for it? The equation of enjoyment. You ready? Write it down. We're in math class, okay? Here's the equation. Knowledge plus experience equals enjoyment. Knowledge plus experience equals enjoyment. How do you enjoy God? You have to know who God is. And then you have to experience who God is. And when you do both of those things, you find this immense joy and fulfillment and purpose in life In your relationship with God. But let me warn you, you cannot do one without the other. If you do one, if you just have knowledge, you will not enjoy your relationship with God. If you just have experience, you're not gonna enjoy your relationship with God. It's gonna go off the rails. It's gonna go bad. You have to have both knowledge and experience. So let's look at knowledge real quick and then we're gonna tackle experience and then we're gonna go home. Here's knowledge. John chapter 17, verse 3, this has become probably my most quoted, most thought, most cherished scripture verse. It's John chapter 17, verse 3, and this, this is Jesus speaking, and this is eternal life. Now, I want you to catch this, okay, because... This is very significant, and what I'm realizing in, in over the last three or four months is that the knowledge of the Lord is and could be one of the most important things that we could ever acquire as a Christian. I'll just say it is. This is the most important thing. You have to know God, and Jesus says this, that this is eternal life. What? What is eternal life? Is going to heaven eternal life? It's not what Jesus says. Is, is following the rules eternal life? No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus could have put, used any of these words. Remember, Jesus doesn't just, just talk just to talk. He's very intentional, and he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you. This is what eternal life is. No, Jesus, you're wrong. Eternal life is, is beyond the pearly gates. It's me getting to go to heaven. That's eternal life. No, it's not it. It's not it. You could have everything in the world, but if you don't know God, you have nothing. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I, I need us to wrap our minds around this because, and we're going we're gonna to look at it here in a second, but a lot of what we do in church is designed to get people to, to, to just give a little bit of mental energy to God. Like, hey, raise your hand, pray this prayer, repeat after me, come to church, say these words, right? And we, we just ask them to extend a little bit of mental energy and then everything's going to be okay. But, but here's the sobering reality is that we have to know him. It's, it doesn't say, he doesn't say this is eternal life when you repeat this prayer or when you raise your hand. No, no, no. When you know the Lord, this is eternal life. And the beginning of knowing God is knowing his word. This is the foundation, the if you want to begin to know God, you have to start with his word. You know I read this the other day in Psalms chapter 119 verse 111. There's so many verses in that chapter. It's huge. Psalms chapter 119 verse 111 it says this, your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever. For they are, watch this. This is so this is so interesting for they are the rejoicing of my heart. So the psalmist here is talking about the law, right? The testimonies of God, the word of God. He's saying that they are the rejoicing of my heart. Do you know what's interesting about this statement is that the psalmist did not have Paul's letters. Did you know that? The, the, the psalmist wasn't reading the gospel of John and rejoicing in the life of Jesus, right? They didn't have any of that. The psalmist is referring to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law. Has anybody ever read through Leviticus before and not fallen asleep? Don't raise your hand because I know all of you have. Here, here's the reality. If you've ever read Leviticus, you know how agonizing it is to get through. It's not fun, it is not enjoyable. Like a lot of those, a lot, like we're talking about the law of God, the same law that says, hey, if you, if you kick your neighbor's goat, you have to pay him two more goats or whatever that verse is. It's like, you rejoice in that? Right? This is what he's saying he rejoices in. He's saying, I rejoice in the law of God. Like the, the, the book of Leviticus, really? I've never rejoiced in that in my life. But but the psalmist is, but if you really understand what the psalmist is communicating is this, I rejoice in the law. Why? Because when I know the law, I know you. Because when I begin to read and understand the things that you love, I know who you are. When I realize the things that you hate, what the concerns of your heart is, I understand you more so yeah it might not be fun to read but man when you read the word of God and you get in the Bible and study it and obsess over the word it's not just about the pages on the book it's about who the book is talking about it's about knowing this God who unveils himself through the word of God and you and I have to just like this psalmist rejoice in the word you have to begin to be obsessed over the word of God and, and consume it and receive the knowledge of the Lord. Knowing the Lord is the beginning of all this and, and cherishing the word is the beginning of all this. You know, I wanna go to, go to Matthew chapter seven because this statement that Jesus makes is probably one of the most sobering thing he says in all of, all of the gospels. And I want to show to you just how important it is to know him. The knowledge of God. He says in verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. And I think we need to take a long, hard look at the way we structure our own personal Christianity. Because we value things that Jesus clearly does not value. Not to say that he doesn't value them at all. They're important and those things are all they're, they have a place and they're good. But they do not mean more to him than knowing you. And as a believer, <clears throat> what we have to get right, <clears throat> excuse me, me yelling at my kids all day. what we have to get right is prioritizing knowing the lord he says listen depart from me i've never knew you i don't know who you are and so if we're going to enjoy god the first thing we need to do is to know him it's to know him here's the second thing we have to experience him everybody say experience you know, my wife was so amazing. She took me to this golf tournament, the PGA Championship. I got my hat on. Let's go. It was amazing. I know many of you don't even know what that is, and that's okay, but it's one of the four majors in the golf world. So, I mean, there's, you know, there, this is a big time deal, big tournament here. And uh, we went over uh, to New York to watch all the professional golfers play. And man, we took, Pastor Clarence, I I didn't even have my hokas on. I didn't have my comfortable shoes on. It was terrible because we took like 22,000 steps or something like that. It was, we walked all over this golf course. It was insane. And my wife was so sweet. She came with me and the whole time I kind of felt bad, you know, because I'm like, there's no way she's having fun right now. (laughs) But it was interesting because my wife has knowledge of me, right? She knows me and she knows what I love. She knows that I love golf because I ask her to go play every day um, and she gets mad when I ask her. But she knows that I love to play golf. And so she knows me, but she was unable, and I know this is kind of a silly analogy, but I want you to just track with me. She was unable to find enjoyment in what I love until she experienced it. She had the knowledge and the knowledge alone did nothing for my wife. It probably frustrated her more than anything, right? It made her annoyed that I liked golf, but she knew that I loved it. And so the knowledge in and of itself was empty until she experienced it. And I remember about halfway through the day, I looked back and I was trying to catch up with my favorite golfer, Tony Finau. Shout out to Tony Finau. If you're listening for some reason, I love you. Um, anyways, I was trying to catch up with him and I was like, run, like I was like, not running, but like power walking. And I looked back and Emily's like 20 yards back and I'm like, come on, babe, let's go. And I could just see the look on her face. She was not super thrilled. Um, but she caught up to me and I was like, are, are you having fun? Are you okay? And she, she told me, actually, this is a lot more fun than I thought it'd be. Like, she really enjoyed her time. We had a great time. She loved it. Obviously, she's not like super into golf, but it was at the experience where she was able to find enjoyment. It wasn't just at the knowledge. The knowledge didn't provide the enjoyment. It was once she experienced it, once she was there on the beautiful golf course, once she was able to, we were able to go into these tents and just grab a bunch of food and we have to pay for anything. I felt like I was stealing everything. You just take food and walk out. She enjoyed that, right? We enjoyed spending time together. There was so much enjoyment, not in the knowledge, but in the experience. And this is what I want us to understand and drive home today is that without the knowledge of God it's impossible to enjoy him but without the experience of God you'll never fully enjoy him I I love this scripture verse in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 it's it's dangerous I I I made a mistake and I made this my prayer and I'm just going to warn you don't pray this don't do it find another scripture verse to pray because this was not the one okay it says this, that I may know, and that word know literally means this, to know through personal experience. It's not just knowledge, it's not just information, it's to know through personal experience. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Oof, yeah, don't pray that one. I don't know why I did that, Layla, that was messed up. I prayed it for like, I prayed it all day. And you know what I realized is as I was praying this, something happened and man, my it was weird. I was like so sad all week. I don't know what it was. Like it was like I was literally sad. And has anybody been to the point where you're like you can feel your soul and you're just like, oh. I feel like I'm either going to cry or throw up or do both. You know, like it's like a combination. I just, I don't know what it was. I was in a funk for a couple days and I'm praying and I'm like, God, can you get rid of this for me? I do not want to feel this way. I want to I wanna find peace and joy and I want to enjoy life. I don't want to be sad. And, and I, heard, I heard the Holy Spirit, I, I heard the Holy Spirit just remind me. Remind me of all of the pain, the shame, the abuse that Jesus went through. And he quoted Isaiah well, kind of came in my mind, Isaiah 53, where he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, that the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, the stripes that that tore his flesh we are healed and it was in that moment where I remembered that I made this my prayer because I asked God that I would know him in his suffering don't do it don't do it I said God I want to know through experience your suffering and in a minute very small little minuscule way I feel like the Lord allowed me to carry some agony so I could know him. And I remember I was praying and I'm asking God to take this from me and all of a sudden when he spoke these words to me and he, and he reminded me of all of the shame Jesus bore, all the pain that Jesus bore, all the agony that he bore, I was, it was weird, I'm telling you, it was the weirdest sensation I've ever had because I, I still felt it, but man, I enjoyed it. <laughs> And it's weird to say, but I found enjoyment. Why? Not because I was feeling kind of crummy, but because I, man, Jesus, I, I, can, I can share in an experience that you've had. Even if it's like watered down, so, so, in, so much in more insignificant than anything Jesus carried. But it's like, man, you, you're trusting me not just with the good things, God. You're trusting me with, with the heavy things the difficult things because here's the truth man I don't want to just know all the good that that God has I want to know all the good but man I want I want to share in in everything that God has man there's beauty in the suffering there's beauty in the frustration and here's the truth Christians if we only live not if we only live to to know all of the good that God has and and this is sounding so weird as I'm saying it because because we, we should live for all the good that God has. But, but there's a reality that when we share in this, in this dying to ourself, this suffering that Jesus went through, it is a part of who he is and what he has endured. And when we share in that, we can enjoy him. And here's the key. Here's what I want us to understand is this. Is that when you understand that, what you can do as a Christian is you can find enjoyment in any area of your life. Because when, when you know God as Jehovah Rapha, when you know God as the healer, and then you're healed by God, and as, as an experience, that brings enjoyment, right? Has anybody ever been healed by God? Just wave at me. Come on. I, I remember one time I had this crazy tooth infection, and then I came here, and we were worshiping, and I left, and it was gone. It was wild. It was one of the wildest things. But, but we've been healed by God, right? And it's one thing to know God as the healer, but once you experience his healing, it's like, Whoa, this is crazy, right? There's enjoyment there. And, and there's, there's difficult things in life. Like, it's not fun to obey God, right? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a little tricky. Sometimes it can be, you know, frustrating or sacrificing, whatever the case is, to be obedient to God. But when you understand this, that Jesus was obedient to the point of death, man, there's enjoyment there. Even if it's difficult to obey, it's like, I get to share in what Jesus did. Man, Jesus walked this earth, and and he agonized over being obedient, and I get to share in that. That's it. There's enjoyment there. Even when you go through difficult times, stressful times, even when people betray you and lie about you and cheat and all this dirty, nasty, horrible things, right? And I'm not saying that we should say, oh, yay, you're being mean to me. But what I am saying is this, is that Jesus told us they'd hate us because they hated him. And that when, when we receive even an ounce of what Jesus received, there's enjoyment in understanding this, that man, I can, I can fellowship with you in this suffering, Jesus. I get to know you, even, even the most agonizing parts, where you, when you were in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating blood because your soul was in so much agony. God, I want to know that part of you too. Because it's shallow to only take the good And not the bad. Because every single person in this room, if you're in a relationship, if you're married, you stood at an altar and you said, I'm going to love you in sickness and in health. For richer or poorer. I'm going to love you in the good times and the bad times. And my prayer and my desire, like I said, it's a dangerous one, but I want to know all of Jesus. I want to know him I want to know the amazing beautiful exciting things about him and man when he was going through difficulty in the wilderness in the desert I I want to share in that too I want to know it all and this is so encouraging in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 the writer of Hebrews says this for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize that word sympathize literally means to share in suffering The writer of Hebrews is saying this very thing that says this, our high priest, he can sympathize with us. He's shared in this suffering who, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows all the pain, all the difficulty, all the hurt, all the anguish and agony that you've been through, maybe you're going through right now, Jesus has shared in your suffering. And I know that doesn't always give a, a total relief. You can't always sit back and say, oh, good, everything's okay now. But man, there's a, set, there's, a, there's a very thin line of enjoyment and fulfillment that you can have in relationship with God. I think it's, I think it's the way those boys felt Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when, when King Nebuchadnezzar was gonna throw him into the furnace. I, I feel like this is some, similar to how they felt. Where yeah, they weren't excited to go into the furnace, but man, they, were, they, they had some joy knowing we're, we're, we're staying true to our God. Because he's able to save us is what they told him, but even if he doesn't, we're not gonna bow our knee to you. That's not fun, that's not enjoyable, that's a difficult moment in life, right? They weren't smiling, they weren't happy, but man, that that conviction in their heart, that that communion with God in that moment where where I'm I'm sure they they could sense the presence of the Lord. I know they could. Jesus was standing in there with them. And they were fellowshipping together. There was this bonding over that difficult moment. And and what I want us to take away tonight is that you were designed and exist to enjoy God, not just in your good times, but also in your bad times. We can live a life, whether happy, sad, good, bad, rain or shine, in full enjoyment of who God is. Let me show you this, because I think it's important to end understanding this this idea here. If you have knowledge without experience, it'll lead to religion. And there's a lot of Christians who, who live that way, right? They know all the scripture verses, they know all about God, but they've never really experienced God, and so what happens is, you, you turn very religious. You're just going through the motions, right? You don't really know God. You just have information about God. And if you have experience without knowledge, it's most likely wrong. <laughs> and I say this because I, the truth is this, is that you can't know God without knowing his word. I know a lot of people that have experienced God, but what they've experienced has completely changed and fully contradicted the word of God. You know, I have a a close friend that we had some conversations, and I won't give everything away, but some of the things that he kept saying, I'm like, dude, where are you getting this from? I don't think God is like this. Why are you saying these things? And he was like, man, I just had this experience with God, and he just told me this stuff. I'm like, did you read your Bible? He's like, no, I don't really read my Bible. I'm like, bro, what? Why would God ever come to you? And like, that's just so crazy, right? But, But this is how many people live. We think that we can just... Like, man, okay, I'm going to be nice here. But evangelical Christians, what we do is we, 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 we throw out discipline. We throw out the knowledge of God. And everything is about this mystical, feely, like, revelation type of thing where it's just like, oh, I just need the presence of God. I don't need to study. If you tell me to read my Bible, that's religious. Like, I don't, I can't do that. That's legalism. And it's like, no, it's not. Discipline is not legalism. It's not. You have to have the knowledge of God. You have to know him. You have to open up your Bible and read. You can't just depend on like the haze machine to get your feelings going. Right? You have to study the word of God. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 says, do not be unwise. That word unwise literally means to be ignorant. Don't be ignorant but understand what the will of the lord is you, you like this this idea of like tiptoeing around legalism as a christian that doesn't exist right like we are so far away from legalism you think like oh man if i if i like pray 3 times a day and read my bible like that's legalism i can't do that like what that's discipline do that <laughs> do it know him because, because what happens is God then will use that information that you've gained and he'll release this experience with him himself. You have to do that. You have to know God. So the idea of today's message, and then you know, I'll be quiet. I exist to enjoy God. I exist to enjoy God. You exist to enjoy him. And how do we enjoy him? We know him and experience. Him. We know God and we experience God. You have to know him. And what I want to challenge you to do tonight is not just know him, but enjoy the process of knowing him. You know the Lord has been convicting me about this for a long time, for a couple weeks or months now. It's like Dominic, you don't really know the word. You know, I hear stories. I heard the story of a of a, a lady that was from China, I believe, and she spent time in in a prison in China, and and she had I can't remember what book it was, maybe like the Book of John or something, like multiple chapters memorized from the Book of John, and she was just, like she would quote them, and she just knew like chapter after chapter after chapter, and they're like, how do you memorize so much stuff? And she said, well, they don't let us. You know, they they take Bibles. You can't have Bibles there. So she was like, sometimes we'll sneak a Bible in and you just have to memorize it because it's going to be gone. Like, what? That's crazy. She knows the Word. There's people that know the Word, know the Word. Like, we have to know the Word. Every day, you know, I sent, I sent some of these guys my, my little scripture memorization list. I'm like, hey, guys, start, you know, there's, there's going to be a quiz next week. We'll see. You got 10 of them down? Let's go. But, like, find a scripture and know it. Put it in your heart. Put it inside of you and, and know it. And I promise you, what you'll experience is beautiful. The Lord will take that little pathetic effort that you and I make to memorize and, and put words in our heart. What the Lord will do with that is he'll come and he'll reveal that to us. Just like I said, man, I made that, I made Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 my prayer to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. It's like, man, Lord, I want to know you. And he answered me instantly. Like, know him and experience him. In the good times and the bad times, understand that whatever you're going through, you do not have a high priest that is unable, that is unable to understand what you're going through. He knows it. He's been through it all. And when we understand that we get to share in this experience with Jesus, that's how we enjoy Him. Do me a favor. Stand to your feet tonight as we pray. your word says in the book of Habakkuk that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea We just make that our prayer tonight God would we be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fill our hearts, fill our minds fill our lives We want to know you, God. We want to know you. We want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering, Jesus. We want to know you. We want to know you, Jesus. We just don't just want to have information of who you are, but we want to experience the God of the Bible experience the God who parted the Red Seas to experience the God who slayed the giant experience the God that tore down Jericho we want to know you just as Moses prayed I want to know you I want to know you I want to see your glory I want to see your glory God we don't want to be we don't want to be bitter, angry, frustrated Christians, God. We don't want to be Christians who have all the information but no experience. We don't want to have, be Christians who have all the experience but no information. God, we want to know you and experience you. Jesus, would you answer our prayer just like you answered Cornelius's prayer in the book of Acts where you sent Peter to him and Peter preached and the Holy Spirit fell on everybody in his house. God let the Holy Spirit fall on our lives. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation fall in our lives. Let our eyes be open so that we can see you and know you. It's our desire is to enjoy you, is to behold the beauty of the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We Bless you, Jesus. And I thank you that on that day, that every single person in this room and hearing my voice, as we make decisions to know you, God, you won't say, I never knew you. But you'll say, I knew you. You knew me. We are close. Let us be close to you, God. We love you and we bless your name, Jesus. In your name I pray. What everybody said, amen, amen. Here's what I want to do. Before we dismiss and I let everybody go, I just want to ask this question. I always ask it, but... If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus or maybe you're here and you prayed a prayer before and you, you know, you just kind of left it at that and you don't feel like you really know him. I don't want you to leave without beginning this beautiful relationship of knowing him because this is something that is going to be not just, not just a ticket into heaven, but it is the ultimate fulfillment of your life. Every single day you're going to wake up and you're going to know him more and you're going to enjoy this relationship of knowing Jesus. So we've got some pastors and elders here that will be up in the front for a few minutes after service. And if you're here and you're like, man, I, I want to really know Jesus like that, all I'm going to ask you to do is just come forward and talk to one of them. Man, these these guys know Jesus. They know the Lord. They're going to introduce you to him and it's going to be a good time. You guys can come up to some DSM kids, you guys. Um, and if you're here and you don't have... Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're going through one of those dark, difficult moments. You know, we got a rule here, CNC. It's okay. We understand life throws curveballs and things happen and there's ups and downs. But our rule is this, that you can't do it by yourself. You're not allowed to do it alone. So if you find yourself in that difficulty, we want to pray with you. We want to love on you, help give you advice, prophesy over you, hug you, whatever you need, man. We believe that the Lord put you here and brought you here for a reason. You're part of our family. And family, they don't do things by themselves. So we love you all very much. If you need anything at all, come up to the front before you leave. Remember Live Right, Love Everyone, Pray Hard. We'll see all the men on Saturday right here. And then we'll see everybody else on Sunday.